0: no but you know I I was having this discussion with somebody the other day uh I really don't think like that show Doomsday Preppers more and more I'm looking at that show going you know what maybe those guys do have a point yeah they're onto something (laughs) they well and I don't not that I think the apocalypse is coming or anything because I don't think it's going to be a big event but I just think the world's going to be different in 10 to 20 years Mm -hmm. uh, unless we really do something about about climate change but it doesn't it doesn't look like we're gonna um but, but I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a different, it's going to be a different world. I think that being self-sustaining is probably a smart thing to, to start to consider at this point, because, you know, I think 10, 20 years, you're just not be able to, you're not going to be able to go to the grocery store and buy strawberries. Wow. Well, we're a bummer today.
1: Yeah, completely. <laughs> hey, how about that Trump Just suck the air out of
0: the show. We haven't even started yet.
2: <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives.
1: Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now,
2: on with the show.
0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. My name is Robin, o, and guess what? Today, what? joining me is Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy, and he's back, Mr. Steve Barkley. Did you miss me? Yeah, no, we did. you didn't. Well, we didn't, but are probably our audience <laughs> did.
1: <laughs> Somebody out there did. You were probably. Backstabbing me on previous <laughs> shows, I got to go back and review just to find out what you all said about me.
0: No, oh, I know you don't care enough to actually have to go back and listen to any shows. That's way too much of a time investment. <laughs> You're not going to listen to seven hours of podcasts. <laughs> uh, now we probably will now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I now I know. Her. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, is there is there software that can that can scan an audio file for keywords? <laughs> Probably,
1: I'm sure the NSA has it. Steve
0: and asshat <laughs> together in the same sentence.
3: Find. <laughs>
1: My favorite still cock trumpet. (laughs) We found 780 instances. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, No, it's, uh, yeah, no, it feels like uh, we're doing this for the first time for real again for the first time in a long time, if that
1: sentence made any sense. That was a lot of words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of words strung together in the wrong order that didn't make any sense.
1: We're off to a good start. Almost Trumpian. Yes. Yeah.
0: The truth is not the truth. Fake news.
3: Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. What uh, are we doing today? Uh, today we are talking with blind world traveler Tony Giles. So we are. Yes, it's a very interesting fellow.
0: I was looking at his info, his deets this morning, and uh, yeah, this, this is, this is going to be pretty interesting. So he never stops. To... Never stops moving. Ne- clearly not. <laughs> Hey, did you see this article uh, that I sent around this morning about uh, about the blue light from smart devices? Oh yeah and melting
1: it? our retinas yeah. well maybe not melting our retinas, but pretty we- much weakening our retinas to the point where we may develop macular degeneration faster than any generation in the past.
0: Yeah, that's scary because macular degeneration well let me just pull up the article here so we, we got some context. Yeah, so the study uh, has found that uh, continuous exposure to the blue light from smartphones and laptops can lead to macular degeneration. It goes on to say that the blue light emitted from digital devices such as smartphones and laptops can accelerate blindness, repeated exposure to the blue light from smartphones, tablets, and the sun transforms vital molecules in the eyes, retinas into cell killers, Uh, the author of this study, uh, said that essentially that, that the blue light from this, from these devices are doing some real lasting damage to, to eyes over, you know, extended periods of use. Well, and I
3: sent you a follow up, follow up article this morning. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but it's just the amount of screen time that, you know, preteens, teens and adults are actually spending on their phone and it's increasing year after year.
0: Yeah, for sure, and not only that. I mean, macular degeneration is
1: already fairly common. Is that is that correct, Steve? Um, it's it's really common in Caucasian populations more than more than anybody else. But uh, um, yeah, in the you know the over sixty five crowd, it's uh, it's quite prevalent.
0: So this could be a real a real issue, and uh, you know, especially given you know the next generation, you know, there's you know kids kids are have smartphones from the time they're you know four or five
1: yep and you know what that means more cctv sales (laughs) that's right it's good news good news for cctv
0: Hear that assistive
1: technology industry there's hope we're we're deliberately sabotaging ourselves so that we're going to need large print systems
0: that's right um, no, this is something that's serious. I mean, this is serious. I mean, if this is a real thing, then, you know, you, you would think that this is something that we really need to look into. And and I mean, I don't know if it just means tweaking the current technology so this light isn't quite as harmful or, or what, but hopefully there's more studies going on, but it's it's a chilling thought.
1: Well, there was also a big study that came out that said that uh, blue light could have, uh Uh, deleterious effects on uh, mental wellness as well oh is that right yeah and uh, uh, apparently it affects um, teens disproportionately because of their their screen time hmm wow so yeah blue light it could be a problem that needs to be dealt with hmm yeah,
0: see, I often worry about Wi-Fi signals too. I often think that the Wi-Fi signals probably aren't good for you either. I mean, you carry your cell phone around in your pocket, and you're just irradiating your nuts <laughs> every, like all day, every day. I, it's an issue. I I've started putting it in my back pocket because I'm just like, well, you'd rather have a
3: radioactive. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Or if you start. Start getting. hey hey, hey. (laughs) it's monday it's it's gonna
0: be a show full of bleeps i think we're already up to about seven today so far and we're not even three minutes in Mm -hmm. um
1: anything else going on who i don't know uh province is on fire uh Trump, Trump's blaming, blaming yes. uh, Canadian uh, wood imports for the fires in, uh, in, in California, California which is it. like the dumbest thing ever. I heard uh, a great analogy. It really, it really is
0: like, he is like that, you know, really old, you know, grandpa at Thanksgiving dinner that, you know, just says crazy, crazy things yeah. unfiltered. He, he really is like that on a world stage. Uh-huh. That's, he's just, he just says stuff. So, yep. Yeah, anyways, that's a whole that's we do a whole podcast about that.
2: <laughs>
0: hey, mm-hmm. did you hear about that new uh digital assistant, Ryan? The <laughs> Samsung Bixby? Well, that's the name of the assistant. The assistant yeah, they, yeah, there's an actual device now that they've made called yeah. I think it's I think they're just calling it the Samsung Home, really, which is stupid. Stop calling sh- home <laughs> like this. You've, you've already got the Google Home
3: and the Home Pod,
0: yeah, like stop mm-hmm. it. Like, figure out a different name for your device. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I heard this, but it's powered by Bixby, and they figure that uh, it's only a matter of time where they're going to they're gonna sort of team up with Google and make these devices, like, run run on Bixby and...
3: Well, Amazon's done it with Microsoft. That, that's you can exactly. now include Cortana into your Amazon Echo.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, it sounds like they might be on the, the... The theory is, I mean, they haven't announced anything yet, obviously, but... The theory is that uh, they might they might team up and, and really make them a, um, a you know viable sort of runner in the in the, uh, right. in the field because otherwise they're just too far behind everybody else to really catch up. So I think teaming with teaming up with somebody is about their only their only option. But I've never actually played around with Bixby of you.
3: No, I've never had it on a device. Yeah. I've never even heard of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it runs just on it's just on Samsung device. Certain Samsung devices like. I think the notes and
3: probably the S nine. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. It's getting to the point where there's just too many digital assistants. Somebody needs to win the format war. I think. And... <laughs> Fair enough,
1: Steve. You don't care.
0: You don't care who wins, do you? You don't even have. You don't even have a digital assistant in your house.
1: No, I don't. Well, I've got it in my phone. I don't know why I need one in my house. Because you do. I totally don't. Because
0: everybody else does and you must conform. <laughs> no. Um, although you do have that really cool thing, that thing that detects goals, that lights up. <laughs> the wireless whenever, siren. The wireless siren <laughs> on your mantle. My,
1: my Budweiser red light. <laughs> that's that's
0: actually pretty cool. So is it, just, it just goes off at...
1: any Anytime the Canucks score. Really? So not often. <laughs>
4: Hello?
3: hello hi Tony can you hear us hi Ryan hi can you hear me yeah excellent Tony in the room with me I have co-host Rob Minot. hello hi and Steve Barclay
1: hello there hi Steve welcome to the show
4: thanks Okay. Um, you might hear a lot of traffic unfortunately um, oh no worries I'm in a hostel so
1: no problem oh where are you currently
4: uh, I'm currently in Nottingham in East Midlands. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I come up to watch the cricket for a couple of days.
1: Excellent. Yeah, my uh, my, my uh, mother-in-law is from uh, Stoke-on-Trent, so not not too, too far from there.
4: Yeah, no, yeah not too far. Yeah, yeah. Stoke. So half an hour probably, Stoke.
1: Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, hey, well, thanks, uh, thanks so much for taking some time out uh, then from cricket watching to, uh, to talk to us.
4: <laughs> well, it's this evening now, so that's fine. Before they gone to sleep.
0: <laughs> right.
4: Well, pretty, pretty hot here. It's, um, it's unbelievable weather. It's very sticky, humid, quite unusual for England.
0: Yeah, I'll bet. Well, you, we're kind of in the same boat, except our, we're also on fire, so. Oh. Ah.
1: Yeah, we currently, according to the news, we have the worst air quality on the planet right now because of all the forest fires around us.
4: Yeah. Are you responsible for that? Uh, Not not personally, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Although I've probably contributed to global warming in way too many ways.
4: Still that wind, Yeah. 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 Well
0: listen, uh, we, we're we're so happy to have you on. We've we've sort of been, been following your story for, for a few months now, uh, since Ryan sort of found you online and and uh cool. and and yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. So as I understand it, you have been to one hundred and twenty two countries.
4: Um, I've actually been to 131 countries now. All right, so our, wow. our
1: information is already outdated. Wow. It, he never stops moving. <laughs>
4: uh, the wheel keeps turning.
1: Yeah. How, how many? How many countries are there in total?
4: Uh, well, oh dear, that's a tricky one. Um, according to the United Nations, there are 193 sovereign countries, and out of them, I've been to uh, 115. Nice. Uh, and then. They're like, I have a list of sort of unofficial countries. They're like, um, the UN doesn't classify Greenland or the Faroe Islands as countries, or um, Western Sahara is disputed, things like that. Right. Taiwan, sort of not considered a, a complete country. So, yeah, there's all these sort of daft criterias, but I've got my own list, and I, I, um, I sort of count every individual island as a country, really. You know, it's particularly if they're like a long way away from like there. It's like Greenland's under the kingdom of Denmark. Right. It's, it's so different to Denmark. You couldn't be. Um, and I, when I was traveling in South America a few years ago, I went to French Guiana. And that's part of France, technically, but it's nothing like France at all. Hmm. <laughs> it's just rainforest.
1: You you may not be aware of this, but Canada actually has a, a border war going on with uh, with Denmark right now
0: what oh
1: yeah oh, because of because of uh, the the vicinity of of uh, canada to greenland there's uh, a, yeah. there's an island that's right in between the two that we we both claim as part of our yeah. uh, part of our territory so the the tradition is that um, the canadian troops will go land on the island they'll take down the danish flag then <laughs> they'll leave uh-huh. and they'll leave behind boxes of alcohol and oh, that's- And and then the Danes come, they take down the Canadian flag and they drink the booze. And they leave their own booze behind. And then the Canadians come and take down their flag, drink their booze and leave their booze behind. It's been going on for years now. It's it's like the politest border skirmish ever.
4: Yeah. Well, well, you Canadians are very gentle and
1: friendly.
4: <laughs> Apart from when it comes to ice hockey.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's where we turn our brains off and just go full Hulk yeah, mode.
4: The only time Canadians commit murder is in ice hockey. <laughs> uh,
1: that, that'll get you a penalty. <laughs>
4: yeah, alive.
0: Yeah, I'd like to be. I'd like to be assigned so, to that. So,
4: what, so, what's this little island called that's disputed? I gotta go there.
1: That's right. Yeah, clearly. Oh, there, there's nothing on it. It's it's. Well, there's alcohol. There's, there's no there. alcohol. On it. <laughs> free booze. Oh, that's, the, that's the free booze. Uh, hang on, let me look it up here. I don't remember the name of it.
4: It must have a cool name. This is little small rock.
0: Piss up atoll. And you just... And, can't... And Gre-
4: and Greenland, of course, wants to become. Well, some people they want to become independent, but they're not quite sure how to do it. That's kind of interesting.
1: Okay, here it is. It's called Hans Island, like Hans ha- Solo. Hans. H-A-N-S like, yeah. Hmm.
4: Yeah, like, like Hans Christian. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And what do the Canadians call it?
1: Uh, well, the native name for it is uh, uh, Tartu Tartupolak. Tartu Pollock. What's a pollock? Tartu
4: Okay. Interesting.
1: Is yeah, well, it it's in the middle of the Kennedy Channel.
4: Yep, okay. So it's up near the Queen... What's the island, I suppose? Uh, up there. There's a lot of islands, isn't there, off, off the west yeah, coast? Oh,
1: there's loads and loads.
4: Yeah, i got to visit all of them now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're just adding to his, his workload,
0: Steve.
4: Yeah, Wait, but, not- but only the, only the island of alcohol on. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right, that's important... The important one.
4: Um, yeah. Well, okay, so
0: let's. okay, so now we should get back on track. But <laughs> but we should we should also mention to the audience that Tony, now you are you are are you totally
4: blind or are you partially? Uh, blind? Yes. So um, my my name is Tony Giles G I L E S, and I'm yeah I'm totally blind. So so yeah, I've got this rare eye condition, um, which I was born with, but I could see shapes and shadows as a child. I could actually um, see the read and write with big black letters on white paper, probably, I don't know, two, three centimeters big letters. And I could see the shapes and the contrast between the black letters and the white light paper until I was about seven, eight. Right. And then I used a CCTV camera to try and make the print bigger for about a year, I suppose. And by then i just stopped learning. My eyes' sensitivity to light had lessened I was taught to look for to towards the, the sound when I was little, and I just sort of stopped looking at objects because it was getting too difficult, really. So I needed another format to, to to study. So I got sent to a boarding school when I was ten and a half, about um, 500 kilometers from my home, and I stayed there for six weeks, eight weeks, and learned Braille, um, learned mobility eventually, and learned to cook and clean and do all the rest of it, and I did my regular um, school subjects and I um, actually did A-levels and eventually went to university so went I should say also went um, partially deaf when I was four uh, in both ears and I now wear digital hearing aids in both ears and I'm 80% deaf or severely deaf in both ears so I sleep well
1: <laughs>
4: no sound no lights but yeah
1: what what did you uh, take in university?
4: Um, I did American studies uh, for uh, for a laugh, and I got to spend <laughs> five months in South Carolina eating grits and sitting on a beach.
2: Nice. <laughs>
4: yeah, I got placed. I got sent to a place called Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Sentence, you must go. Like uh, I object. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sit on a beach for four months and chase girls. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, okay.
4: Yeah, so that was fun, and then I um I met this girl from Australia. She was studying over there, and we were all like exchange students. So a bunch of us went there, and a bunch of Americans went to our universities. And um I, I teamed up with an Australian girl, and we went and went to California and caused chaos and mayhem. We we're drinking much slides every night in L.A. and and <laughs> in a piano bars and whatever. <laughs> So, so is, that, is, that,
0: is that kind of where you sort of began to really get your taste of, of travel?
4: Yeah, I think so. That's, I went to New Orleans for spring break. My friends all um, disappeared to Florida. I got to go and see Mickey Mouse. I think they weren't going to let me take drugs or drink or anything. So well, I go to New Orleans by myself. <laughs> so um, I got the teachers to sort of help me book a hostel and help me plan it. And, and I, I'd done quite a few years of backpacking in the UK by then. Um, by myself and with a friend, so I knew how it, it should should work. And then I, I got to New Orleans, and then I um, uh, got a taxi to the hostel. That was pretty easy. And then I am um, you know, I asked the staff for directions. How do I get to Bourbon Street? And, oh, you go down the steps, turn left, walk a couple of blocks, and just ask for a tram. And I remember it was, um, you know, in the 90 degrees heat and probably 90 95% humidity, you know. I walked down the steps and I just panicked. I just froze and my, my muscles started shaking. And I I'm totally blind. I'm partially deaf. I'm in a foreign, weird city I've never been to before. I can't do this. And I just sort of stood there and I sort of took in a few deep breaths and I said to myself, well, Tony, this, this is what you want. This is what you come here for. If you don't want it, go back inside and go home. So. I took a couple of more deep breaths, turned left, walked two blocks, asked someone where the tram stop was, and <laughs> the rest, they say, is history. Um, but that's when it started.
1: Now, did I read that you've been to all 50 U.S. states?
4: Yeah, that's correct, and all 10 Canadian provinces. Wow. I've been as far north as the Yukon. White horse.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
4: Uh, but we better not go there. I am... Um... <laughs> I, was, I did a trip in 2004 when I started in South America. I started in Brazil and sort of wandered around there for about four months. And then I went up to the States and traveled around a bit and eventually went my way away, up to Canada, right across, up to the Yukon and into Alaska. And then I got this Greyhound bus. I'd been on it for about 50 hours. There was about six or seven people. And we got to Whitehorse and there were, um, all the hostels were full. I had a small tent with me. Well, I'll just camp. It'll be okay. And I, um, this guy helped me. He put it next to a little gravel path. A little one-man tent. One little one-kilogram tent. And put it next to a gravel path so I could find it with me stick and me feet. So, I put me backpacks in, put, put, put a padlock on and went out for the day to meet up with the, the people I'd met. And come back about 10, 11 o'clock at night and it was a um, small cafe there. So, I went and had some dinner and then, went across the road, it was near the bus station, in the Greyhound. So as I found that gravel path with my stick, and I'm walking up and down, I can't find me tent. Oh, well, maybe I'm just walking past it. So eventually after about half an hour, I went to the road, I could hear the traffic, and I managed to stop this car. There's this 19-year-old kid delivering pizzas. He said, what's a blind guy doing on the road? I said, oh, I'm looking for me tent. He said, what? Yeah, I'm from England, I'm looking for me tent. So he grabbed the flashlight and he came and had a look. I said, I can't see anything. So he took me to the Salvation Army place for the night and said, oh, I'll come back the next day and we'll find it. We went back, it was all gone. No tent, no sleeping bag, no backpack. Oh. I had me passport and I had me credit card, so it was all right. And we went to the police station and said, oh, I think someone's taken me tent. What can we do? And the police officer said, uh, maybe a grizzly bear stole it. All
2: <laughs> oh, right.
4: <laughs> I said, Right. I said, I want to, I want to be there when you make the arrest officer. <laughs> yeah, <that's
0: true. laughs> yeah. It's hard to get the cuffs on.
4: Mm. So these things happen. So
0: I, I think that what, what really stands out about, about your attitude and about the, the story in general, I think, um, is, is, is the sort of the confidence level that you have to, to travel so independently um, you know, I, in, within sort of the, the, the visually impaired community, I, I, would, I would think that that sense of mobility is, is one of sort of the, the greatest hurdles that, that people can face on a day-to-day basis.
4: Yeah, it is, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's infrastructure, a lack of infrastructure, and it's getting out day-to-day day and, and dealing with the same sort of obstacles. That, yeah, and for a lot of people, it's, it's about having confidence, it's about having the mobility right. skills and the, the self-belief that they can go out and successfully get to their shops or get on a bus and get down. And, and I'm very fortunate. I went to a boarding school where I knew where the traffic was and where it wasn't. I knew it was very safe. And when that young age of 11, 12, gained that, uh, that confidence and was told by my teachers that I would do this, I would go to this place. And I got the opportunity to go to the States with the school when I was 16 so it was all just sort of, sort of slow, natural progression Right. by the time when I realised that I wanted to travel for sort of the rest of my life and I enjoyed it. know, I was supremely confident. I was in a country where I could speak the language for the most part and understand the infrastructure for the most part. And then I went off to Australia and New Zealand the following year, which again was similar language and similar westernised infrastructures. And by the time I was, you know completely confident in my ability to get from A to B and, and ask people and be, be confident to walk up to strangers and just say, hi, I want to go to this place. Can you help me? You know, I went to Vietnam and Thailand and that was a totally different challenge. There was no infrastructure and were open holes and open drain, but I was confident enough and arrogant enough to just walk up to anyone and say, can you help me go from this place to this place? And nine times out of 10 people did. But that's, that's the skills you learn. Um, you know, by doing it sort of one step at a time, I suppose, Um, but it's not easy.
0: Now, uh, I understand you had a bit of a a whitewater rafting incident. (laughs) Uh, could could you tell us a little bit about that because this sounds freaky?
4: So, so a few years ago, um, where was I? Um, I was in Zambia in southern Africa, and um. Went whitewater rafting for the day on quite a big river, the Zambezi River. It was in a town called Livingston. Um, There's quite a lot of activities there. You can bungee jump and um, you can go gorge swinging and stuff. Oh uh, and you can swim the crocodiles if you so wish.
1: <laughs>
4: I didn't, no, I didn't why, do that I didn't do that
1: Why would you so wish that?
4: <laughs> well, you know, they don't talk much, so... <laughs> a lot better than tourists. It's uh, anyway, I went, so I went on this whitewater rafting trip and I, um, obviously I had to, I, um, I took one hearing aid out and put it in a, like a waterproof bag and just kept one in. Because obviously they had, I had to have one in to hear the instructions. They tell you when to go left and tell you when to go right and stuff. And then the idea is when you're in the sort of coming into the middle of a big rapid, you get told to get down and you just grab the ropes and go into sort of the middle of the raft. It's all made of rubber. And then, um, that's how you sort of get, get through each raft, um, and we rafted about, I don't know, about 16 or 17, so we, we'd almost finished, and, and unfortunately going down a, a level five rapid, which is the largest that you can uh, raft commercially, um, a pretty dangerous rapid, I, um, I got too high on the raft and got hit by the water and toppled in, basically, mm. so I so ended up in the middle of this rapid Basically, if you're trying to imagine them going up and down, up and down, like basically being in, in a washing machine, mm. and um, basically being drowned, and I eventually managed to sort of roll onto my back and, and sort of float upright, and because the force of the water sort of shot me down the river. But just as I came out of the rapid and was um, into sort of calmer water, the next raft came down, didn't see me, mm-hmm. and ran me Ever. Oh geez. <laughs> so I went back under.
0: And what's going through your mind? Your, your mind, your, through your mind, is going. I should, I should have gone swimming with the
2: alligators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I that should've. was
4: my first, my first not I go with the crocs.
2: So
4: finally, I popped out, and I can hear all these sort of this sound banging and screaming. And sh- so I sort of, sort of paddle towards the noise, and they pull me in. I felt I, drank, I felt like I drank half the river.
2: Wow.
4: But yeah, wow. I managed to survive.
0: Yikes. And did you continue with the white water rafting trip after that? Or was that kind of it for
4: Oh you? no no, I continued. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once you're down halfway down the river, there's only one way out. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> That's
4: a good point. Continue to continue the course. <laughs> Luckily we only had about another four or five rapids after that one, but <laughs> Yeah.
3: The thing that interested me most in, in some of your adventures, Tony, is the bungee jumping. You know, oh, you, yeah. you leap off a platform, you have no idea when that bungee is going to snap you back.
4: Ah, you... That's the great thing about it.
3: <laughs> that's got to be so terrifying. Enough, I can't anticipate it. I
4: don't know when it's going to come. You're dropping and you're dropping you think, oh, this is quite nice. And... <laughs> it's like running into a brick wall. <laughs> Not,
3: not my idea fun <laughs> it is mine that's funny
4: we're all different
3: yeah for sure
4: and the first one I did I was in New Zealand and I went to several places it's not that house, it's too small for Tony it's only 40 meters I don't, don't do that so I got to this one It's 80 meters <sighs> I'll do this i are in the middle of nowhere in North Island New Zealand off a bridge hmm. and there's two men the instructor and a dog watching and me. They <laughs> just tie the bungee cord on. Right, Tani, we'll take you to the edge and we'll tap you three times. And one, two, three, and you bungee, and you just fall forward. Okay. And they you tie your ankles together and you sort of trust up like a chicken. And you sort of hobble forward and give them a hearing aid and they give you the last rites. <laughs> You sort of fall forward, and you just hope they remember to turn the bunny cord.
3: <laughs> so yes. that was eighty meter, eighty meters. So what? Ten meter, ten meters is thirty feet, right? Or is it the other way around?
4: Yeah, yeah, it's three to one. Yeah.
3: So like, that's like two hundred and forty feet in the air. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah,
4: like yeah. a
3: twenty-story building. <laughs> <That's> insanity.
4: <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the Crazy. Open air. Crazy. Oh, I got an advantage. I can't see the button.
3: Yeah, either can I. I'm totally blind myself, Tony.
4: Okay. Yeah.
3: See, Have you I- tried
4: one?
3: Uh, no, I've zip lined, but I haven't haven't bungee jumped.
4: Okay. Okay. Well, you can't say you don't like it until you've done it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. Like, I was actually talking to Steve about this before the show. I mean, I don't know if it would be more scary or less scary. Yeah. Fungy jumping, completely blind, as opposed to the you know because like, it's it's like Tony said. If you can't see the bottom, you're you, not you, going to brace
3: yourself, and you're not going to.
0: You're, you're going to be relaxed. You're just going to be like, yeah. "Yeah, okay, I'm falling, I'm falling, and now I'm not."
3: Put <laughs> <laughs> him alive. So. Soiled myself, but I'm alive. <laughs> that gives me a business idea. I'm going to
0: go to Zambia and start a bungee cord company where you bungee cord over a big pool of alligators, Pro- crocodiles. Oh, sorry, crocodiles. crocodiles.
1: <coughs> And, and hippos. Mm-hmm.
4: Ah, hungry, uh, yeah. hungry hippos. Hungry hippos. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they're dopey animals at the best of times.
0: Now, I, I I read on the website, too, something, you mentioned something called zorbing.
4: Oh, yeah. I, Zorbing's I, I, great. I, I, do, I do, do not know, know what that is.
0: Yeah. What, can you explain to us what zorbing is?
4: Yeah. So basically, imagine a big football or a big beach ball made of plastic. And I didn't know this the first time. I found out the second time I did it but the balls um, see-through. So they push you in this big ball, and, and you're inside, and it's, it's all plasticky and sort of spongy, and then they close the door. And... Um, and they roll you down a hill. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this
0: sounds like things you do when you're 12. <laughs> or <laughs> drunk. Yeah. I was going to go with
2: drunk.
4: Yeah. And you scream your head off.
2: You
4: a dry one or a wet one. A dry one, they strap you in. But that's, that's okay. But a wet one's great fun. You're just when there with the water. And you sort of slosh around.
3: <laughs> well, you've got a zest for life, Tony. That's yeah, yeah,
0: that's awesome. That's the yeah. Actually, that's something that does sound fun. I would, act, I would totally do. Yeah, I recommend things.
4: absorbing to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, being blind, it's all about the sensations, It's all about the feels and the touch, and you know, and not everything has to be rough and tough. But it's whatever you do. It's like I like having a massage and going into hot pools when I went to Iceland, and you know, every every different sensation you can get on your body is. It's what you want for a blind person. It's what I want, right. know, I want to sense everything because that's the, that's the way I see the world.
0: Now, so so when you go to different countries, do you generally, do you're just staying at sort of hostels and, and different places? Like, how do you do, you, do you really go out of your way to try to absorb the culture?
4: Yeah, so um, when I started off traveling when I was, what's, uh, what, 21, 22, I just, I went to countries I knew about and I didn't have to do much research. I knew what a major city was from, Listening to stuff on the radio and, and and reading about it at school and stuff, and then as I got older and I went to more sort of uh, countries with more difficult names and stuff, and I needed to sort of research more. So I got a laptop with a with a jaws screen reading software. yeah But of course there wasn't there wasn't any internet back in ninety eight two thousand, so it was all word of mouth and memorizing stuff. But now I I get on the internet, so I. Say, so, yeah, I want to go to Canada. So I'll look at the major cities in Canada, you know, Vancouver, Toronto, et cetera. And then i look at what accommodations are available. So for me, it's youth hostels. It's, 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 I'm staying in a room tonight with six beds, bunk beds, there's one on top of the other. I got to climb up a little ladder again and it will squeak. <laughs> uh, but that's how you meet people. And you know, I got to make friends and it's, oh, where are you going today? I'm going to this, this attraction. Can I come with you? And, you know, End up making friends with someone and and then um, after hostling, hostling for about 10, 12 years, I I discovered this website called couchsurfing.com, um, where people have a profile on the on the internet and you can go and stay with them for free. Oh wow. If you, you send them a message and yeah, each person has a profile and they've got a picture and you get references from people. And so you, you look on the website and you say, "All oh, right, I want to go to uh, let's say I want to go to Squamish. So there's not many places to stay in Squamish. I want to go bouldering. So I find a couch circle in Squamish and can read about them. It says their name, their age, what they do. And um, I put in the dates, I want to stay two nights, one person, um, flexible, and they, they can read my profiles, they can see my picture, they can read all of my references and stuff. So it's, it's a reasonably safe way and... So you stay with people for free that's brilliant you offer them a bit of money for breakfast or coffee or something and yeah and it's it's a way of sharing cultures and making friends nice so that's travel most of the time now
0: yeah that's brilliant i mean that's uh, and that's you know the, that's a really you know great way to soak up a culture too many people travel and and they just will go to like a the major a, a resort they will go to a resort and they'll, and they'll yeah. see yeah. things through that lens. It's um, just four walls. Th- so, so how do you decide on things to do? Do you just generally sort of go to a country and just sort of play but, it by ear, or do you have a sense uh, of what you want to do?
4: Yeah, a bit, a bit of both. Um, when, I, when, I, when I went to Australia the first time, I um, I knew what a major city was from the cricket and the sport, and I knew about um, Airs Rock, Uluru is sort of... Um, in the middle of the country. But apart from that, I didn't do an, an awful lot, which was in Sydney. And I just asked other backpackers, oh, where are you going, what are you going? I knew I wanted to um, visit the sports centres in Melbourne and I knew I wanted to visit the um, Opera House in Sydney. But you know, when I, when I came to Canada the first time, I I did, didn't really know what was in each each city. And I just asked people, asked other backpackers or staff in the hostel. But as I sort of gone on and gone to more interesting countries and more countries with more difficult pronouncing names. I sort of had to look things up. And mm. I'm interested in history, but I'm also interested in nature. I like waterfalls and fountains and statues. And also travel with my girlfriend sometimes, especially in sort of sort of safe countries like the US and Canada or Australia, Europe. And um, So I look on the internet and, and read about what museums can we find. I've got audio guides or We've got guided tours in English or what um, other fountains we can find to listen to and statues we can touch and things like that. So, yeah, I make I make a list of the major, major sort of places I want to visit. And then, and often I'll try and, if it's like a city like Toronto or, or Vancouver, I might try and find um, a guided walking tour, preferably a free one, and see if we can join that. And then and you meet people on the tour, then they sort of. Help us around and make sure we don't get run over. <laughs> right, it happened a couple of times. It's, it's bad enough with one blind person, Joe. When you've got two, <laughs> oh, yeah. even now, more challenge.
0: So. Now, when you when you go traveling. Um, what kind of what kind of mobility aids are are generally in your toolbox? what do you What do you take on on your travels? or are you very much a purist? Do you just have your cane and that's pretty much what you rely on?
4: Yeah, yeah, so I've got my cane. Um, I try to take a spare cane sometimes I forget. Um, and because of my deafness, which to me is actually more of a, a challenge than my blindness, my blindness is pretty simple. It doesn't change, and you can describe it to people. We tell them to close their eyes, and walk into something. and that's on a very basic level what being blind is like trying to describe deafness to someone is much more difficult because it's it changes all the time it's speed it's pitch it's accent it's background noise it's all these kind of things so um i take your spare hearing aids and uh, batteries and stuff um yeah then i just pack a backpack um, you know three or four three or four t-shirts underwear socks sometimes a toothbrush Uh, not much more mosquito repellent in the countries I need it. Uh, I usually research the um, countries I need anti-malaria tablets and inoculation. Uh, And also because um, 10 years ago, I had a kidney transplant. So I had to be quite aware of not getting dehydrated. uh, A lot of medications I can't take because I'm on uh, immune suppressants. So I had to research all this before I go. And in some countries... Yeah, particularly in the Middle east I had to take a list of my medication and also a letter from my GP proving that you know I'm not smuggling drugs right <laughs> so yeah. so things like that so I had to I had to be prepared and do my research and then yeah once once all that's covered um I put my assistants for the the, the airport for, put me on the plane to meet me at the other end and then I asked them for the nearest bus or the nearest metro to my first accommodation and then I go from there and then it's just a case for me, it's just a case of asking people on the streets um, how can I get to this tourist attraction? And of course, in countries where I go where I don't speak the language, like Japan or Russia, um, I get um, people I'm staying with to write down instructions in the local language and just go for and just keep asking people. And if I get completely stuck, I always make sure I've got um, my accommodation, name and my accommodation, and the phone number written down in the local language, and I can just show a taxi. This is the universal word, just about every language. So I've always got a backup plan. So that's how I do it. And then I take my laptop with me to most countries so I can research on the go. And sometimes you you go to stay with someone and they can't host you for some reason because their kid's sick or they just had to change a job. So things happen. So you need to be flexible and you need to have a way of being able to find alternative accommodation at the last minute and stuff. That's nice. will do it.
0: it's all about planning. Proper planning makes all the difference.
4: As a blind person, you need to have the knowledge because you can't just pick up a guidebook and flick through it. Oh, that looks nice. We'll go there today. You don't have that. And you can't ask someone to read everything for three hours for you. So you need to have a bit of knowledge. And also, I think the more knowledge they have, it impresses people. The locals actually can't believe it when they say, you know more about our country than we do. (laughs) And and the other thing is, I try to learn a bit of language in each country. At least to be able to say sort of, hello, thank you, water, toilet. Um, just saying thank you to someone in their language makes their day. Right. I mean, it goes a long way. That does. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, now, so you don't even use any sort of uh, maybe a smart smart device with, with GPLs built in.
4: Right? No, no, I don't. I don't use an iPhone because I don't like swiping. I don't like touch. Screen stuff at all. My girlfriend does. She said she got a smartphone last week. I said, "Oh, that's good." I said, "That means I don't have to do the cooking anymore." so <laughs> <laughs> oh, "Take it back." Then. So, yeah, she likes these gadgets, but I'm not. I'm less keen. I think it's because I started travelling when I was young and there was no technology. Yep. I, I just, you know, use my cane and ask people. Um, I can, I can see your smartphones and iPhones being useful if you want to find a specific building. Yep. You can see the advantage of that. But um, I also think I don't really sort of hear them that well with my deafness. So. Right. I think I just yeah, sort of stick to what I've
0: got. Well, you're doing it old school and it's working for you.
4: I guess so, yeah. And I, I always think, this, I always, you know, people say, oh, it's great you've got this internet and stuff. Well, when you go in the African jungle, there's no internet.
0: No, that's tr- that's exactly true too you're gonna you're, you're, there's nowhere to charge your iPhone when you know, when you're in the jungle that's just stick sure. up
4: a tree and,
0: and let me tell you your iPhone would have done nothing for you in that whitewater rafting accident other than weigh you down that much more
4: no, <laughs> so, it wouldn't help me when I was rafting
0: no
1: hey Siri <laughs> get me out of this what do you do when you're about to be run over by a boat? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm gonna, I can't help you with that.
4: <laughs> Go under.
0: Now uh, now you also have written some books about your travels.
4: Yeah, so I written um, I've written well I've written three books, but I published two. The first one's called Seeing the World My Way and it was actually in print for five years. It was my mum's idea and I came back from this trip. I've been on the road for about thirteen months, in two thousand four or five, and I, I came home. I said, oh, you should write a book so all my friends can see what you get up to. And I don't want to write a book. No, I don't want to travel. Yeah, write a book, write a book. (sighs) All right. So I sat down for about a year. It's like, just wrote down everything. All my nasty thoughts, my good thoughts, all my emotions. It was cheaper than going to a psychologist. (laughs) Year and a half. Yeah, Yeah, about 20 months later, I'd come up with this huge book. And then I started edit, editing it. And then um, I sort of shoved it in a drawer after two years of writing it. Thought, what am I going to do with it? And eventually one of my friends saw an advert for a, a small publisher in Bristol, in the southwest of England, not sort of far from where I was living. And so I sent him a draft. and said, oh, that looks really interesting. He needs more work on it. So I spent another couple of years sort of traveling on and off and editing on and off. And eventually got it into... Some kind of thing. well, oh, yeah, we'll publish this. So they published it, and um, it sold quite well for about five years. It sold about 1,200 copies, and then mm-hmm. went around the country doing book signing and, and stuff. And then um, in the meantime, sort of worked on another one, my second one, a trip I did in South America, North America, and I called that Seeing the Americas My Way. Um, I didn't, they didn't want to publish that. They didn't think it would sell. So I um, turned it into an ebook book and just, just to try and sell it online so about five dollars each us uh, well that would be in canadian but, uh, about three pounds each in the uk
3: about two, 200
4: about canadian online <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, they're made of, um, you know all the usual um ebook websites amazon etc and um so yeah it's ticking over and um, i'm starting to do um talks now i did a couple of talks in february at, um a couple of different universities and um going to a conference at the end of October in Vienna so I'm, I'm yeah, getting to talk about myself more and promote my books more so it all helps. I've also got my own t shirts which is quite, quite amazing it says Tony the Traveller on the back and then picture the different book covers on the front I keep losing them in different countries.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
0: good marketing. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. That's yeah. guerrilla marketing.
1: Not, that's not losing. That's yeah.
4: not marketing. And it saves me washing them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, what's what's? Yeah, do you have another big trip planned? Like anything? What's what's your next? Yeah, big...
4: so I, I just come out in three weeks in Greenland. And, um, um, and, um, I got to a couple of cricket matches. I'm up so in Nottingham a couple of days, and then I go home for a week, and then I um, go down to Southampton on the south coast for about four days for another cricket match. England are playing India. Um, it's good fun. We're well, not doing too well at the moment, but uh, overall, it's good fun. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm getting in the atmosphere, and then i am also got the commentary on the radio. So I'm getting the both, best of both worlds. I'm right. Ball-by-ball description. And also, they, they don't just talk about the cricket. It's what's really good. They talk about seagulls and... Buildings and describe buses going past and talk about all kinds of things. They, they do a lot of eating. People sending cakes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not really about cricket. Cookie. Cricket's not the main thing. So it's really fun. And then um, um, my girlfriend's taking me away to Sicily for a week wow. for my fortieth. So that should be nice. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. She's Greek, by the way, and she lives in. Oh, uh, her name's Tatiana, she lives in Greece. Um, so she went blind when she was 16, in glaucoma.
2: Hmm.
4: So, and we travel together, um, and she works in a call cellar. Uh, she translates calls between doctors and other staff and in, in Athens, Greece. So, so, it's a long distance relationship,
0: but yeah, it seems to work. Well, not for you, you travel so much it's probably used to see her every, <laughs> every other weekend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna pop over to Sicily. <laughs> Yes, technically all of that, your relationships are long-term yeah, relationships. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, or distance relationships, rather. That's right.
0: Your 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 relationship with your landlord is a long-distance relationship.
4: A <laughs> very long distance, yeah. The, the money keeps going out, so I guess she's happy. <laughs>
0: that's right. Uh, listen, Tony, uh, anything, before we let you go, anything that, that you want to plug? Um, can you tell people uh, where they can find your books online? Yeah, if, if, if they sure.
4: So out? they can... Um, they go on to the internet, they can go on to www.tonythetraveler.com. T-O-N-Y-T-H-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-L-E-R.com. They can also find me, Tony the Traveller, on Facebook. and uh, Yeah, and they can also contact me if they want to through my website, tonythetraveler.com. My books are available on there, um... There's information on my website, and I can, they can download it from Amazon and from um, Barnes & Noble and Google Play and all, all over ebook websites, I guess. Um, so, yeah, Great. that's where the books are available. And um, just uh, to sort of um, – um, I sort of wrote my books. Well, I published my books to basically sort of tell my story, really. That a blind, totally blind, partially deaf guy – go out and travel around the world and just show people, blind or not, disabled or not, mentally disabled, whatever the issues are, that they can overcome their challenges and achieve their goals. It doesn't have to be traveling around the world, jumping off bridges, but my story is, is basically out there to, just to show people and give them the belief and the confidence that they, they can do what they want to do and follow their desires and their dreams. We all need a little bit, a little bit of help and a little bit of support, but it can be done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, you know, listen, when uh, whenever your travels bring you to Vancouver, let us know. Ah,
2: uh, uh, just...
4: uh, yes. Yeah, funny you should say that. I'm actually, we're actually planning a trip to Canada uh, yeah. next May. Oh, well, there uh, you go. Sort of fruits early July. Um,
0: Steve said he'll go bungee jumping with you.
3: I did.
4: Yeah, I yeah.
0: said well, no such thing.
3: <laughs> okay, we'll buy you a pint. Hey, excellent.
4: <laughs> there we go. I'm told, I'm told there's a bungee jump I can do on Vancouver Island. Yeah, if in can,
1: Nanaimo. Yeah.
4: If I do it naked, I get it for free. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs>
1: <That's> I believe it's <laughs> true. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Nice. Perfect.
4: Hang- I didn't know
0: that. Really? <laughs> is that a thing really yeah yeah I yeah did, apparently I did so did yeah. I i've never
4: been to vancouver island so it's lovely yeah yeah nicer than vancouver city
3: mm, yes
0: yeah yeah it yeah. is it's definitely it's beautiful yeah. well there you go so hit us up and uh and we're there steve I, i'm just kidding steve does not like heights so that's why i'm, I'm kind of teasing him about that but
4: you yeah, go for a walk so, in stanley so park I'm, or something
0: I'm sure he'll support you. He'll be be behind you, supporting you while you do, while you bungee oh, we'll, jump. In. I'll, I'll we'll cheer pull you on. We'll
4: put we'll put we'll him along. <laughs> you can hug all the trees.
0: <laughs> Naked.
4: You can live in some of them. Those are so big.
3: Yeah, yeah, yep.
0: All right, Tony. Listen, we're gonna let you go so you can get uh, get some sleep because you're, you're gonna need it, my friend. But uh, thanks so much again for uh, for uh, taking the time out and chatting with us. It was
4: you're welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take
0: Let's care. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
4: Bye bye.
1: Stop trying to get me to bungee jump.
0: <laughs> one day, one day my master plan. <laughs> well, you know what I don't understand is you've skydived. I have, yeah. But skydiving is different than bungee jumping. You're I still I
1: jumping give off that. some. No,
2: but it, it, your your perspective
1: is completely different when you skydive, right? Yeah, you see, sky skydiving is is everything is is so far out of perspective that you don't even have the sense of height yeah. um, that, that you get if you're if you're that close to the ground yeah. so Ooh. yeah I, I, I kind of view bungee jumping as simulated suicide yeah I would, I would agree with that your,
0: your body just goes through exactly what you would you would go through
3: except for the splat right mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly so and there's still a chance that could happen.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, not if you're over a pool of crocodiles. I'm telling you, this is a good this is a good business plan I've come up with. I like it.
1: We'll just import some crocodiles and put them in the river in Naimo. There you go. There.
0: Perfect. Oh yeah, that then you really have incentive to, to bungee cord naked. Yeah. Mm. Man, what that's fascinating. You know, you can just hear the confidence in, in his voice when he talks about traveling.
3: Well, and he's just turning forty. You know, you look at his website, you look at all the countries, provinces, states, like he's, he's not even 40. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's confident. He's just, I don't even know what the word is. He's just, I don't know. He's just out there, you know?
1: Yeah. He's just out there doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: And I think that that's, you know, that's the the real strong, real message behind that is that that's all it really takes. Um, You know, know what you want to do. Have the confidence to do it and just do it. Um, you know he, he, you know you listen to him and and you know he his, his tent. He's he's a blind guy. His tent and a sleeping <laughs> bag gets stolen, and yet you know he. It's just a, a minor a minor road roadblock, yeah. My, minor
1: setback. Go to the Salvation Army for a night and sort it out after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean crazy. You know that would be bloody Canadians, eh? <laughs> Jesus, thieving buggers.
0: <laughs> so it's great. I'm grizzly bears, but you know it's. It, it's all about attitude. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I mean, a lot of people have issues just going to the grocery store, going on a bus route that they'd never gone before. Um, but, you know, and here's Tony out there. He's, he's going to Zimbabwe and he's whitewater rafting. Yeah. Um, and he's doing it old school. He's not even, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, we sit on the podcast, and we talk all about, you know, Ira and, and how great, all this technology is, which it is. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you got to remember, you know,
3: until you're in a city that has no infrastructure, like we're used to, first world, yeah, you know, then your technology is no good to you anyway.
0: But I mean, again, I guess my point is that it, it what it all distills down to is that if you have the confidence, mm-hmm. that's really all you need. You don't need an iPhone. You don't need Ira. You don't need all these bells and whistles. I mean, they're great and useful as tools, but at the same time without that, that foundation of, of sort of, of, of confidence levels and basic O and M skills. That's really what, what's important.
1: Yeah.
3: So. Yeah. And we've had other guests on the show as well, you know, talk about as technology is just kind of an add on, right? It's not the end all be all. What happens when your technology breaks? Mm-hmm. You need to have the skills to still get you around and you know, do what needs to be done. Yep. But again,
2: it's
0: just it's it's a great attitude. Absolutely. I think that at
3: the end of the day, it, it's that's really what it, it's.
0: You know, and it's nothing you know superhuman or anything like that. It's just a, it's just an attitude. It's just the way that he was brought up. Yeah. Um. You know, he was lucky enough to to have gone. It sounds like he he was he was lucky enough to one be sent to a to you know a remote school. So he had to sort of travel naturally that way, but also it, it sounds like the teachers there were very, um, they really instilled in him that sense of can do and here's how you be independent. And uh, I think that's important in your formative years. I think that's the other, and that's, you know, right. again, I, we, we talk about um, organizations like Blind Beginnings all the time, but and I, I keep coming back to them, but I, I think that that's exactly what the, why their work is so important is that that's what they instill in, in the youth that they work with is that sense of independence and yep. you know a lot of An these, adventure yeah, yeah and so I think a lot of the a lot of the kids you know that are that are coming out of that program they're going to be just like Tony yep and even better because they'll probably have some of these technology technological tools that we've been talking about as well as that as that confidence level and so who knows what what they're, they can do they're going to take over the world
1: probably so solve that whole Canada Denmark dispute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's hope not. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's really that's fat. I want to actually. How big is the island? Do you know? Oh, it's tiny. Yeah, it's a tiny little island. So it's like almost like just like rocks. On the- it is a rock. Okay. Is,
1: there's like no green on it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Ah, uh, all right. Well, fellas, let's wrap it up. All righty. Hey, Ryan yes sir where can people find us as usual banter com they can also as usual drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com
1: and they can find us on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, Instagram and Pinterest that's and that's it no pinterest Pinterest? okay
0: no no well yeah
1: (laughs) we're working on (laughs) they can find us unused on
0: pinterest (laughs) (laughs) probably find something google plus no not google plus we're still there aren't we probably (laughs) only because we have to be because we have a google account (laughs) stop trying to make google plus a thing (laughs) uh what else hey where can people find canadian assistive technology
1: well, we can find Canadian assistive technology at www.canastech.com. C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. If you have some
0: assistive technology that is in need of repair, we know this fella. His name is Rick Chant, and he runs a little outfit called Chaos Technical Services. Sorry,
1: you're not saying that properly. Chaos Technical Services. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Chaos. I'm gonna
0: have to modulate that, and it can be like
1: that could be a thing. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: uh, yeah, you can find him at www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Just spell it out, just the way it sounds. Uh, and yeah, he will, he will fix your stuff. Uh, all right, well, boys, I think that's it. I think that is it. Let's go breathe some smoky air.
3: All righty. Oh, look at that, Ryan's yawning. Be tired, Ryan and I. Nah, I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, the heat—it's going around. around. No, it wasn't the heat. I just didn't really get to sleep very well. So, just one of those nights. I hear you.
0: Um, all right, thanks everybody so much for listening in once again, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Maybe. No, we will. Will we? Don't put doubt in their mind.
3: <laughs> what are you doing? You can edit it. <laughs> you can put whatever you want in there. Yeah, I can. Want
1: <laughs> to
3: know why you said that?
1: This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the One Take.